Tim Chang was born in 1991 and proudly admits to knowing nothing about anything that happened before 2003. Sheltered, innocent, and unaware, this is one man's attempt to show Tim Chang the wonders of the world around him. This is The Education of Tim Chang with your host, Josh Simpson. Hello and welcome to The Education of Tim Chang. I am Josh Simpson. And I'm Tim Chang. And welcome to the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that my cue? Uh, right. No, it's okay. Okay, cool. Uh, this is your cue. This is Nick Weiger. Hi, guys. There you go. Uh, of course, of UCB and Funny or Die fame. Uh, Kiss from Daddy as well. I guess I'll throw that in there. Um, yeah, well, t- here we are. Uh, today we're doing uh, the first ever Tim Chang book report, where uh, we assign Tim Chang something to read, then we come back here and we talk about it. And today's subject, or today's book, is Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Yep, that was the book. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I asked Nick, I asked you to do this. Uh, well, one, when I, yeah, you you were interested in doing it in the first place, but I know that you also recommended this to Tim in the past or something. Like oh, that? yeah, well, there, I remember there was a time when, I don't remember who it, who it was, Tim, but you had somehow gotten your hands on a stack of books. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Joe Winger donated all of his books. Joe mm-hmm. Winger gave you a bunch of books, and you put, you just had, like, a poster of a bunch of books, and were like, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And I, this was all, this went down on Facebook. It was a great story, guys. Um, so I, I made a Facebook comment that said, start with Slaughterhouse Five, because that was on the pile. Because it's a very good book, and I like it, but it's also like a very readable book. It's just so endless, it's so effortless to read. You just sort of, just sort of breeze through it. The prose is so, you know, very, very, uh, a lot of common language is used. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that would be a, a, you know, a good starter book if you're going through a, a 20th century American fiction. Okay. What do you like about uh, Slaughterhouse Five? Why would you? I do. I do like the that? plain language of it. I do like you know. I'll 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 take a James Joyce who's very you know dense and and you have to to think it over, or I'll take like a, someone who's very elegant like a Nabokov. I'll, I'll I'll I'm fine with that. But I do like the very the plain spokenness of Vonnegut. It's very like you know it's very accessible, and I think accessibility is a good thing, especially you know, I don't know. It's especially when you're. When you're dealing with the kind of the the themes like this book deals with, which are kind of you know like to some degree things that you you know universal truths that he's trying to espouse. So I I mean like I do like the the writing style. I also just like his ideas. I think he's just got a lot of really good ideas. And you know I, this isn't this isn't even my my favorite of Vonnegut's books, but it's just it, I think it is like the best entry point for his work. And probably I mean I think that's what everyone says is his most influential and important work. So. Um, yeah, just a good book all around. It's funny, it's interesting, it's weird, it's it's sci-fi, but it's not like, you know, uh, it's not kitschy. It's it's just very a uh, very approachable, fun book. Cool. Uh, what did you think about it, Tim Chang? Yeah, I now thought... That, now that you're done. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like what Nick said. It was like really accessible. Like, I just starting to read it from the very beginning until all the way. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, like I can read through it without needing to like, I guess... Like it was, it was easy to imagine in my head what was going on, and um, yeah, it, it flowed really smoothly. All the all the transitions <laughs> from the time travel stuff was really nice, and uh, yeah, I mean it was it was, it was an easy read. Yeah, it was two hundred pages. I read it like <laughs> all in four days. <laughs> tiny too, tiny tiny book, two hundred pages. Yeah. I like uh, a slender volume. Why not? You know, <laughs> I need a dense book and nice and nice and compact. I like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I read this a few years ago. Just reread it again today in an airplane. Yeah. 
It stands up. It holds up. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, all right. So, I guess where should we start here? What? What did? Did you think it was funny? I didn't really laugh at any part of it. Really, I mean, it was a little depressing. Still, I mean, it's about war and yeah, you know. It's definitely like a like if there is humor, it's kind of a black humor. It's kind of like a very you know comes out of the the absurdity of the situations. But I mean, I think there 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 are sort of moments of levity in there. Probably not a not a laugh out loud sort of book, but uh, uh, you know, I think that's Vonnegut's style is like he's kind of juxtaposing all these absurd like like fantastical um uh, things or very trivial things with these these very bleak things, and I think that's part of the. Uh, 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 you know, that's that's part of just his his writing in general, but also part of this book. Um, did you uh, like? Yeah, you said you, really, you sort of breezed through it in, in four days uh, there, Tim. Like, how much? Uh, like, was it? Did it hold your interest? Was it like sort of like you, know, you found yourself drifting at times, or um, sometimes when he would like describe certain things, like uh, just like being in a hospital was like I kind of drifted from that, but like. There's some quote, like, there was some, like, important things that he said that kind of held up. Um, I even, like, marked it down, I think. All right. Let's do it. Uh, there was, like, one, I should have marked down more, but I did mark down this one I thought was, like, uh, really nice. This is when he was with the Trafalmadorians. Mm-hmm. Um, the, how do you say that? I think it's Trafalmadorians, but I yeah. don't know. I've never, like, heard that pronounced out. How did they say it in the audio Trafalmadorians, yeah. Uh... I didn't get to the part where I heard that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Tim Cheng doubled up just for the listener. Yeah, he read the book and then fell asleep listening to the audiobook, which is available <laughs> on YouTube. Something I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> um, yeah. So this part was uh, uh, "Welcome aboard, Mister Pilgrim." Said the loudspeaker. Any questions? Billy licked his lips, thought a while, inquired at last, "Why me?" That is very earthling question. Earthling question to ask, Mister Pilgrim. Why you? Why us, for that matter? Why anything? Because this moment simply is. Have you ever seen bugs trapped in amber? Yes, Billy. In fact, had a paperweight in his office, which was a blob of polished amber with three ladybugs embedded in it. Well, here we are, Mister Mister Pilgrim, trapped in the amber of this moment. There is no why. I got it stuck out to me. I was like. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't ask why shit is going on sometimes. Just kind of like embrace what it is and just, I guess, live in it. I don't know. That's what I got out of it. It it is. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I I don't. First off, I think you should read the audiobook. That was that was delightful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think the uh, uh, yeah, it is like it, to me that was the thing that kind of like like blew my mind. I reading it, and I think I first read it as a teenager. Reread it in, in my twenties, and now a, a, an older man, I feel like I've. Uh, um, I, I like like the the now I have a, a slightly different reaction to it, but I, I feel like just the idea of this kind of like nonlinear approach to time mm. is like very like like was just sort of like oh I remember what that was the first time I sort of saw that uh, uh, in any in any sort of at least like sort of codified in that in any sort of literature or any place and then, and mm. and like I yeah yeah I think you're right there is a lot of like. Uh, that is kind of a recurring thing about you know just like like all these different disparate moments all kind of adding up to to one uh, uh, reality and and kind of like using that to kind of point out the utter meaningless the meaninglessness of it all I guess I mean right. I feel like that's kind of the, the Tralfabadorian philosophy is kind of yeah. like none, nothing really matters because it all just kind of is and there's no way to control any of it you know yeah. they basically say as much 
There's that other part too about like focusing on the parts you want to focus on, right? The, the, like the good bit. moments too. I mean, that's what yeah, they yeah. do all like in the story, I guess. Just focus all on, on the good moments. I feel like we should we should uh, take a step back for a second just to catch if of course if there is a listener out there who hasn't read this book and is just listening to this. <laughs> I should read the book, but it's basically a story. Uh, it's a semi autobiographical. Is this is this how is this kosher? Is this how the podcast goes? Could we ask Tim to sort of give a summary of the book? Yeah, let's do that. All That's right. a good idea. Great, great. So Tim, uh, t- t- talk a, a naive listener through uh, <laughs> the the key points of of Slaughterhouse Five. Give us some sort of a summary. All right, just a disclaimer. I'm still I still feel like I have to kind of read read this and maybe kind of like go through different parts of the book. So, but I mean, this is the gist of it is this is a guy who uh, I mean it's an anti war book is what they call it. Um, kind of, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's still there's still like a lot of, you know, there's that part in the beginning where it's like he set out to write an anti-war book, but you might as well write an anti-glacier book or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it just kind of is. Yeah, I get what you're saying though. Yeah, but it, yeah, I also like I think whoever that I forgot the lady's name or something, but uh, she was saying like don't write like a war book, but write like an anti-war book, and. Then he said something about like um, I'm not even giving the summary book. I'm just giving my thoughts on <laughs> <laughs> what I read. Uh, okay, it's an anti-war book. This guy named Billy Pilgrim is the main protagonist. Um, but there's also like this weird narrator that like goes meta sometimes in the in the book, kind of just talking about himself sometimes. Um, That's and, right. And this guy, the protagonist. I'm also really bad at explaining things, so this might not be so helpful because I just kind of go on tangents <laughs> and just remember what That's I. That's what know. the book did, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to it. You're doing great. You're doing yeah. good. Okay, so uh, Billy Pilgrim, uh, not really a veteran. I mean, he was part of the war, right? But he wasn't really. Uh, he didn't really fight. Yeah, he's kind of a replacement who kind of gets gets thrown into the thick of things very very late in the war. A yeah. chaplain's assistant. Chaplain's assistant. Yeah. Um. He's. <laughs> he's. Sometimes in the book, you uh, you know, he's in the war. He's reflecting on the war, being in Dresden, and you know, it actually, he, he was even he was in the slaughterhouse like late, late in the book, which was pretty crazy, right? Yeah. They introduced the slaughterhouse at like chapter eight. Yeah, it's pretty late yeah. in the game when they finally get there. Yeah. Yeah, but then it, basically, you just go from being captured to being escorted to Dresden and being in all these weird characters, and then he go back to like his past and uh, reflect on you know dealing with his daughter. Who was really upset at him, I guess. Not even really upset, just kind of like taking advantage of him, like in a, mm-hmm. in a sort of way. Um, and then he goes to like meeting his wife, who's really fat. Uh, <laughs> that was not fun. I didn't find that funny. Because, <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> bad <laughs> people have feelings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was more just to, just to say he had a plain wife, right? Or like a non exciting love life. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I don't know what, like, it's, I, I don't know if it's just, if it's meant to be as crude as we're, we're supposed to just, just to have fun with the fact that he's got a fat wife. I don't think it's that. I think it's, it's more that he's, it's more talking about how Billy, I think it's Billy has just been kind of coasting through his whole life and just sort mm-hmm. of was like, was like, all right, she'll be my wife. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> sort of like, like arbitrarily almost chose it. Or the more, if you wanted to read it more negatively, you could say like it was, it was a calculated kind of materialistic kind of careerist sort of move right? Um, because of her father's connections. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, so yeah, it's non-linear, so that's why I'm just going back and forth about like, but those were like the moments, I guess, which is meeting the wife, marrying her, you know, introducing uh, the uh, science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name again? Kilgore Kil- Trout. Kil- 
yeah, Kilgore Trout. And then also being uh, abducted by the the aliens and then being put in like a zoo for display yeah. <laughs> with that uh, actress. Um, so yeah, it's just the dude who was going back and forth with his memories and yeah, reflecting. And, and I think that I, I think that actually is a very good good characterization of the the whole narrative, Tib. I, I I do feel like uh, uh the the one the one sentence, and I, I sort of isolated it here that I think really uh, uh clarifies what this book is to to is at the top of the second chapter. Um, which is just listen. Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time, and then basically that kind of sets mm, up the structure yeah, of yeah. it, where this this man Billy is just just jumping from moment to moment, whether it's meant to be thought of as literal that it's literally happening, that he literally is transporting through time throughout his entire life, or whether it's just you know um, some sort of fantastical imagination sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, did you like? Did you have any thoughts on that, Tim? Like, did you think everything w- that was happening was real? Did you think anything was fantasy? Because it seems mm-hmm. like there's a lot of hinting, maybe that Billy is 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 kind of an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I did think it was real until I read the part where he got morphined, and I was like, okay, maybe that like, maybe that might have fucked him up a little bit. Also, he just got out of a war, so I mean, like you know, when someone comes out, of, I mean, I've read stories before, like when people come out of war, like their lives are completely different. They see everything differently. Even friends now, like that like friends i have in the military now like tell me all this stuff and they're still like traumatized and stuff you know so um is that right you have friends that are in the military yeah hmm. i didn't know that yeah <laughs> what you guys own <laughs> no i had a couple you guys ain't americans then <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> it's crazy that you do though i guess that's you're, what... a, you're a young man though you're yeah. on that age you'd, you'd have a uh yeah you'd have, you'd have what fellow 21 year old 22 year olds who were who were serving yeah um, God bless our troops, folks. That's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. God bless our troops. Yeah. Um, what was the What was the question again? It was a. What do you think of if the if about the oh if it was reliability? Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think towards the end, I I kind of thought, okay, yeah, this guy's probably just uh, was just tripping out, but I couldn't figure out how he uh, like what wasn't explained to me was the when he was with the uh, the actress, yeah, how they were displayed in a zoo. Like that was like that was never really explained as like a hallucination because that probably happened right it felt like it happened i i you know i because i've i've read different criticism about this book and like i, I think the the kind of the consensus is that a lot of this is fantastic is, is fantasy but i i choose to believe that it's just sort of is there and it's just sort of like what's that that this is this is all what happened and that part mm-hmm. of billy pilgrim's fate is that he you know uh, all this shit happens to him, and he's just sort of like is left with all these people, you know, at some points alternately believing him, and he's kind of this evangelist, and or alternately people who are to think he's so crazy that they just like you know remove themselves from 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 his life. Mm-hmm. But I think I think certainly like there's a lot that could be read into it being you know fantasy. If there's thing there's the elements like you know when he goes to the Trophimadorians, it's explained as it was like a single chunk of time that was like you know a nanosecond to us, but was you know years. Um, you know they they connect. I, I believe his, his name's Montana, correct? The uh, uh, the uh, woman he's in the zoo with. Yeah, Montana. Yeah, Montana. Something. Yeah, Montana um, Hildbig. Oh, yeah, yeah and, I, 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 and then there's there's the connection with you know he's seen her in like stag magazines yeah. and stuff, and so like you know like it, it could all have been this elaborately crafted fantasy that he's created 
waiting to escape. You know, who knows? I mean, it could be that that you know when he first becomes unstuck in time is when he's like sh- he's being shaken against that tree in World War Two, and like you know maybe the entire all that shit is just like all this fantasy that's happening in that moment. You know what I mean? And and yeah. he, he ended up dying in the snow. Who knows? You know what I mean? I think there's all sorts of ways to read it, but I also feel like. It's 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 intent that ambiguity is is kind of intentional. I feel like I'm just rambling like no. a fucking blowhard. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry if I sound like a we, blowhard out there, guys. No, no, I think that makes sense. And now now that you say that, I'm most I think I'm thinking like, um, especially when you said like a nanosecond to us is like years to them, right? And then he got transported during his daughter's wedding, so maybe he was just sitting on a chair and was just thinking about making love to like his. Yeah, you know, yeah. Fantasy actress, whatever, and then he just like kind of woke up from that and like came back to reality. I don't know. I think, it, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's intention- intentionally ambiguous. There is that yeah, stuff, yeah. like even some of the sci-fi books that he's reading, kind of line up to things he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, like the toilet plunger aliens. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Trophomodorians. I, I hadn't read this. Uh, uh, I haven't read. I believe it's the the Sirens of Titan. I haven't read another Vonnegut book, but I guess the Trophomodorians show up in that as well. Yeah. So yeah, he has kind of like this recurring thing of just like a bunch of a bunch of different characters, uh, you know, like your Kilgore Trouts or what have you, will just show up in different um, different books here and there, and I, I think that's kind of like there's kind of maybe that element as well of like he's kind of like bundling a bunch of his different you know stories into this story, and maybe that kind of adds up to it's all you know. It, it, it's all this this sort of speculative, imaginative, uh, or, or, or imagination thing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked a little bit about the time, right? Yeah. Uh, the time element in this book. Uh, uh, any more thoughts on that, Tim Chang? I guess we kind of covered that, <laughs> didn't we? Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was interesting. That, like, I mean, when those... Keep forgetting how to pronounce their name. Trophomodorians, I'll Trol- say. Trol- yeah. Trophomodorians. Um Pretty. Sh- I remember, like they. Pretty sure they talked about how, like, yeah, I think it said already, but like they don't. They they don't know exactly what, like, a linear timeline is because they they experience everything in the fourth dimension, right? Yeah. And yeah. to them, that means that they can go anywhere they want, anytime. Like right. looking at the Rocky Mountains, yeah, yeah, and so I guess what I got out of that was like, yeah, well, I guess why am I so worried about you know the past, the present, the future? I mean, this is something about like this is something about like worrying people worry or something like that. I don't know, but like mm-hmm. they don't worry about that. They just kind of experience things as it is, and they see that as just like a thing, as opposed to just like, um, like. On incoming events, I guess you know what I'm saying. I don't know. It's hard. To- it's like one standing monument, almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you. it's like a moment. Yeah, there's like I remember this is it, it, the moment that really uh, uh, stood out to me when I when I initially read this when I was like a teenager was when they were talking. You know, when he's giving kind of this impassioned, uh, uh, you know, talk to the Trophimadori. It's like telling them to like you know like you know, kind of just trying to to you know. Uh, uh, espouse the value of preserving everything, and then you know they bring up they that they know how the universe ends that they they destroyed it, and yeah. it doesn't matter to them because mm-hmm. they could just look at something else you know yeah, yeah, it is kind of like 
it, it is like, I feel like you could either read it as a very optimistic way of thinking about things of just focus on the good and forget the bad. Or also it could be, it's very, it also, it could be very like fatalist of just yeah. sort of like, you know, like, well, I'll just let it go. What can you do? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of yeah. like a shitty, shitty, I think, way to, to think of things that just, you know, well, some things are just going to suck and just focus on the good things. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Vonnegut does. Yeah. 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 Like he, he's uh yeah, kind of has a <laughs> kind kind of a shitty attitude, <laughs> but, but like makes it funny. Uh, I'd say there uh, is like a, uh, and this was just a passage that I would, I, I just want to do a, to hit on real quick sure. uh, to get your thoughts, Tim, which was, and this is kind of ties in, I think to earlier to kind of some of the fantasy stuff and also the, um, uh, uh, also the, the, uh, ties into what we were just talking about, which is that like, cause Billy, cause of Billy, Bill, Billy Pilgrim's state, Billy Pilgrim's state. There we go. Um, he like, uh, uh, knows how he's going to die and he mm-hmm. just can say it. But the way he, de- what he describes the way he dies is, is like so fantastical. It's like right. Billy is speaking before a capacity audience in a, ba- a baseball park, which is covered by a geodesic dome. The flag of the country is behind him. It is a Hereford bull. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. On a field of green. Billy predicts his own death within an hour. He laughs about it and invites the crowd to laugh with him. It is high time I was dead, he says. Many years ago, he said, a certain man promised to have me killed. He is an old man now living not far from here. He has read all the publicity associated with my appearance in your fair city. He is insane. Tonight he will keep his promise. There are protests from the crowd. Uh, we skip ahead a little bit. Um... And then, uh, 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 yeah, no, no, says Billy serenely. It is time for you to go home to your wives and children, and it is time for me to be dead for a little while and then live again. At that moment, Billy's high forehead is in the crosshairs of a high-powered laser gun. It is aimed at him <laughs> from the darkened press box, and the next moment, Billy Pilgrim is dead. So it goes. So Billy experiences death for a while. It is simply violet light and a hum. There isn't anybody else there. Not even Billy Pilgrim is there. It's like I I don't know like uh, uh I don't know did you have any reactions to to when that moment in in the book uh, happened Tim? Yeah, I read I read that um, that passage. I actually read that twice, and I was just still like I guess still a little baffled because I was like, yeah, this guy just doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, wow, dude, like you can be because everyone else was around him was so worried for him. This guy's mm-hmm. just like, well, look, I'm gonna die, and I was like. And I think about myself sometimes as I've recently been looking at like that morbid reality stuff. I talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so weird. He likes to go on Reddit and look at like people getting decapitated and stuff. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but also like, you know, what's it like to be a schizophrenic anyway? Yeah, yeah. But to me, I'm, I'm mostly like, yeah, I, I, it's inevitable that we're all going to die. And I'm, and I always feel like, oh, I could be dead tomorrow. Would I be okay with that? Sure, I'd be okay with that. But then, then reading this and I'm like, Maybe I should be a little bit more worried. I don't know because like I don't want to seem I don't I don't want to feel like that chill about it because it is like I don't know. Yeah, it's a yeah. I don't know yeah. what what exactly these the book's thoughts on death are. You know, because yeah. it is it is like uh, it is like you know like 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 he's just so. It is at once like talking about how like all these this, these horrific nightmarish deaths, the, the bombing of Dresden, um, yeah. and, and you know, and all these people who die horrifically in the war, you know, people dying in in box cars, you know, and, uh, uh, just surrounded by you know hundreds of people who can't you know uh, who can barely move and and. It, but then you know yeah like his he, he's just got this like you know this the sort of the th- running through line of the book this so it goes which comes from the narrator but it also is basically billy pilgrim's like you know governing philosophy of just like well that's how things things happen you know mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know i i i don't know what the 
what the reaction to that is. But I think that is a moment to me like that. That is one of the things I think that is maybe one of the clearest indicators that this this could be all fantastical or this could all, mm, all be, right. you know, because it's imagining being assassinated uh, with a laser gun, you know, <laughs> by the guy who swore revenge because of, you know, Roland Weary's death in the boxcar. You know, what I mean, like there's all these like kind of like and he's giving the speech as it's happening because he's become so esteemed because of his philosophy. You know what I mean? Which it's like isn't true because he got kicked out of the radio show. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all very I, I don't know you know I, I again I like to take it at face value but maybe it's all just you know a bunch of bullshit I don't know yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's like what you said and also just makes you feel conflicted because then you really don't really yeah it's just it's hard to make like a solid opinion like I can't say that this is for for sure this is exactly what happened that he got shot with a laser gun yeah and he gave a speech to everybody I, the, I, the speech part I kind of believe because I kind of envisioned that when I was reading it but then him yeah predicting but then I was thinking, like, okay, but if he if he's giving a speech to everybody, then this would be like the place for him to get shot because he's in such a public place. Sure. But then, yeah, he got shot by a laser gun, so it's <laughs> like I don't know. It's so it's like it's hard to. This probably exists now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, yeah. So yeah, it was just really hard. To, it's so hard to form like it. Like I'm still. I would have to read this again just to have a stronger opinion on what exactly is real and not or not. You know, and also just how I feel about some of the themes that were going on. So what do you think about the fact that Kurt Vonnegut was there for Dresden in real life? That's insane. That he was part. I mean, that actually happened too. That was yeah. a real bombing. Apparently, it might be a little bit exaggerated numbers wise in the book than what it actually was, but still, it was like tens sure. of thousands yeah. of people, right? Which burned. he saw, right? I think what is said in the book is pretty close to what he saw. Yeah. Like he even makes a point to kind of point that out, like like what parts actually happened and yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What what do you what do you take away from that? Uh I guess that it's a very vague question, but like do you do you does the book have any more credibility in your mind or uh I don't know. What, what do you think of the fact that the author is writing like a somewhat fictional telling of the of what happened at Dresden but also mm-hmm. kind of not fictional? I think sense? I was yeah, it makes sense. I was okay with it because he—that's what he said in the first chapter anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he was going to write a book about this. Like, because I went into this not knowing exactly what this was. I was like, oh, anti-war book, and I—that's all I knew. So the first chapter I wrote, I was like, wait a minute, this guy. This seems like a like a biography or something, or autobiography or something like that. And he's just like talking about himself. This is, it was in first person, so it wasn't really like. So I was like, okay, so is this just going to be like a book about him talking about his experiences, like? Like that, like no. But then he found out that he's an author and he was going to write a book. And then by the end of the uh, first chapter, when he said, um, when he was going to get into like, I, when he's like talking about like what the first line of the story was going to be and what the last one was going to be, I was like, oh, now I'm interested. I want to see what this story is about. Then you know, then the second chapter came, and then it's like, oh, that's when the story really began. But I think because in that first chapter, he already like talked about a little bit of his backstory and what he's going to do and what kind of book he wanted to write. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. So I wasn't too, I was, yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah, it's kind of like he's like, he, he's a, you know, he inserts himself into the story. So, you know, like from the beginning, like that first chapter, it's, it's not a prologue, it's the first chapter of the novel, but mm-hmm. he's like there and he's basically telling the story in first person of what the book is going to be. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's jarring, but like a really interesting choice, I think, throughout when you kind of assume Billy Pilgrim is kind of like his, you know, stand in. And I think in a way he kind of is. But then there'll be moments where, you know, 
uh, he'll just say like uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut will say uh, Billy Pilgrim was there. I was there too, and so was you know the other yeah. guy who we oh, introduced yeah. in the first chapter. You know, mm-hmm. which is really uh, uh, and and I think also too what you touched on Tim of like. You know, he says what the first line is going to be, and he says what the climax is going to be, and he says how the book is going to end, what the last line is going to be, and he says that all up top. Like, that's kind of like, I feel like, you know, this is an obvious observation, but that's kind of like, I think, tying into this sort of, like, you know, nonlinear nature of the whole book as well. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of basically saying, like, you know, this is the narrative. You already know what it's going to be, Um, uh, but here it is anyway, you know? Yeah. Have you read any Vonnegut uh, previously, Tim? No, this is the first one. Did uh, and overall, what, overall, what was your opinion? How would you how would you rate it? Book, um, based on that first read, I, I give it like a seven. All right, seven, seven out of ten. Out of ten. ten. Yeah, sure. it was still pretty good. Fire good bombs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> we try to try to get some denomination in there. Okay, oh, seven. Yeah. What's a uh, what's a what would be like a more of a, a nine out of ten or ten out of ten book on your scale? Uh, Into the Wild was really good. I like okay, that. Okay, sure. Yeah. Who wrote that? I forget. I don't Cormac, know. No. Uh, no, that's the guy who died. Uh, uh. Christopher McCown's died. It was um, uh, like John Crocker. John Crocker. Oh, yeah. yeah that sounds right. It, yeah. it, it's, not, it's, it's something like that. I forget yeah. what his name is. Interesting. Some weird last thing that was like Crocker or something. I didn't even see that movie. Okay. What did you like about that what more than this? Or what did that book have that maybe this one didn't? Uh, I read it a long time ago, but from what I remember, like what I liked about it, and I wrote an essay about it in like class. Um, but I enjoyed just uh, this guy who gave up literally everything to do to just travel life, and that you know I was in that period where like I still kind of am like where it's like nah, like f the world, like I just want to do what I want to do, and <laughs> like the world, uh, yeah, f the world. <laughs> More like embrace the world and like <laughs> I don't want I don't want to like do what people tell me and whatever that kind of like rebellious I guess nature I yeah back then I'm just a Hit little you bit in that sweet spot yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I liked reading like in the beginning of the uh, the story and into the wild I was like yeah I'm into this dude I like I like reading about his journeys and and stuff and then you know getting towards the end I'm like feeling a little sad because this guy's alone. <laughs> In Alaska, <laughs> and then I remember like the last thing he said was like uh, something like like traveling out in the world, but don't ever be alone or something like that. And I was like, wow, like maybe uh, maybe we should find some people to hang out with me. We can all go out and live life and not be uh, confined in the world, man. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you just kind of related to that more on like a whatever. What's the what's yeah. the curious? What is the? Because I think I like Vonnegut for what we said earlier. Just like simple. It's structured pretty well maybe not like time wise it's not structured simply but like sentences are very short to the point almost yeah. matter of fact uh whatever but also funny like like he'll end something with like and she was chewing a three musketeers part whatever There's like weird juxtapositions like that mm-hmm. what's the what's a, another funny book or like what's the funniest book you've ever read do you think i don't know if funny is the right word but like yeah i'm gonna go with funny <laughs> <laughs> funniest book i've ever read Oh, Garfield. <laughs> uh, no, which, I know uh, which edition are we talking? Uh, yeah. Garfield World at Large. Uh, <laughs> Garfield choose the fat. <laughs> I had like this one thick like it was like it was it covered like five volumes or something like that. I don't know, but it was like volume one of the first five like chapters of Garfield or something like that. I don't know, like the first like five years of Garfield. I don't know something like that, but I don't know where that went. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. It's um, funny in a different way. I think, like, this is my introduction to, like, a different kind of, like, what's, like, on paper f- funny. Yeah. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. like, the one of 
one of the first of its kind for me. I guess, like, maybe this is not quite right, but, like, now David Sedaris might be kind of funny in that yeah, way. Yeah, I think a, it's it's a little different. He's a wordy guy. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like David Sedaris books would, like, make me laugh in a way that, like, a Vonnegut book maybe not won't actually make me laugh, but I can mm. sort of recognize the humor in it. Yeah. I feel like I'd have trouble answering that question of what the funniest book I ever read was. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't For, know where I'd be going with that. I, really I only recently read it. Like Catch Twenty Two is one of the funniest books I've ever read. Oh yeah, that's a funny read. book. Yeah, like yeah. just how it plays out. That's another. If you want to go with the uh, anti-war route, uh, Tim, you could add that one to your reading list. Yeah. Catch what again? Catch Twenty Two. Catch Twenty Two. Have you heard that expression? Catch Twenty Two. I have heard that expression. Yeah. It's what a, is based on the book? It's in yeah. there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not any sort of method to my madness here in my bookshelf. Uh, interesting. I was just curious what that might, what yeah. you might think. Of that. It was just hard to like. Um, it's like what Nick said. It was like I could guess I could see the humor in there, but I didn't really laugh. So I was like, oh, I guess maybe that part might not be funny. So whatever you know, parts I thought were supposed to be humorous, but they really weren't to me. I, I read know. some sort of review about it where it says like it's sad without making you cry and funny without making you laugh. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good characterization. Um. Okay. So all right, let's talk about some of the bigger themes. Any anything else you want to get to, Nick? Um. No, I, th- I feel like we're going. We're going along. Yeah. We can we can move on. Um, what do you think? So this is considered an anti-war book, I guess. <laughs> um, what do you think it's saying about war? Um, <laughs> it it happens. It's <laughs> not, not a bad. Yeah, book. which is like, man, man, that that sucks because. I think there's some parts in the in the book where, or some part in the book where they talked about how do we how do we end like the wars or something like that. But then the trans uh, some the aliens were just like you, you can't it just happens like it they're that alone has happened even they had wars themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like depressing because I, I mean I want I would love if everyone was kind and peaceful to each other, but it was uh, like a weird um, perspective on what war is. I mean. Every time someone dies, it's so it goes, so it goes. So it's like, all right, I guess, yeah, I guess same thing for war. It's so it goes. It just kind of just happens, mm-hmm. right? I, yeah, I do. I, I do feel like the, there might be, because it, it feels like Vonnegut is so stridently anti-war just in general. And I think in his, you know, in his personal history, which I don't know a ton about, but I think in his in his biography, he is, he is very much a pacifist. Um, I could be wrong about that. Uh, but... I, I think there is like like kind of like you know in the way that that kind of all this this death and destruction keeps happening and it kind of the the narrator is kind of numb to it and Billy Pilgrim is very numb to it uh, but I do feel like it's kind of like overwhelming the reader and and I think the takeaway is meant to kind of be that that you know this kind of is meant to be very very strongly anti-war that like you know this yeah this shit happens but to sort of throw up your hands and say you know. Well, so it goes, you know, there, there we are, you know, there's nothing we can do to change it is kind of the wrong approach. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But, you know, again, I don't know, maybe it is just very, very fatalistic and is just saying, you know, yeah, like, like early on, what what is the passage? It's something like, uh, 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 you're going to be anti-war, you might as well be Mm anti-glacier, something like that, you know, it's just, just sort of talking about it as an inevitability. It seemed like people were just trapped in it. Like, I, I, I was writing down, like, some of my favorite parts were, like, the part where they made Billy Pilgrim pose in the shrubs, like they were oh, capturing yeah, yeah. him, uh, and just like they they showed like the Germans were getting along with the British officers. They'd been stationed together for five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like it seemed like it seemed like just something that was just happening all around everybody. Right. And that's kind of what, yeah. I guess that's fatalist. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I mean, like, I mean, he still described the aftermath of Dresden, and it was like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So it's still like a little. There's a little conflict to there whether or not this is supposed to make you feel like, you know, this shit just happens, and also still trying to make you feel like, oh, war is terrible too. The one thing I think he does do that maybe is in the point of it, and and uh, of it, you know, uh, uh, maybe being a little bit more uh, kind to to people, and is is that. It, he does seem. I feel like he, even if it's like very sur- uh, much on the surface, he seems to t- kind of humanize like everyone. I don't. I feel mm-hmm. like there's even like you know, even when he's describing the you know like the the ragtag group of Germans who originally you know abduct them or capture them. You know, they're like you know clearly like these guys who these older men, these younger boys who have been conscripted. You know, there's there's you know like there's there's all the 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 emaciated Russians. There's all mm-hmm. these you know um, certainly the civilians of Dresden are treated with an immense amount. Of, of sympathy so I, I feel like there is something to just sort of like, I feel like he's kind of just saying that you know this is yeah, yeah maybe the war is what happens but look how many like people it just completely fucks up for no mm. good reason you know yeah yeah um sweet <laughs> sweet they get fucked up for no good reason <laughs> um so would you believe me if I said that this book has is one of the most censored or uh uh, it's one of the most censored books, even still today. As recently as 2011, so people try to ban this book. Okay, oh, okay. So not censored as in like this guy had to like change words, would, but as in no. like he was. It was kind of like people black. try to ban it or or it, when it came out when it first came out, people were upset with things it said about Christ. Which looking reading the book now is like pretty fucking tame to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like. Would that surprise you that this was a, a book that caused a little bit of uproar? No, not not at all. <laughs> really? Yeah. It kind of surprised me, to be honest with you. Yeah, I Maybe I read it. it a little later on, but... No, I, I think it, it, you know, it may be like thinking back on an earlier era. It, it is, you know, it, it's a little, uh, it gets a little little sexy at parts, and it's a little... Uh, oh, yeah, the Shetland loop. Pony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, 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 but, yeah, I can see that. Those banned book lists, this is a little bit of a tangent, but those always, like, there's always shit on there, like... Some Judy Bloom book is like the most banned book. There's always like really? I'm always I'm always surprised by what is on those lists. Like you kind of expect like your Catcher in the Rye or your Tropic of Cancer is going to be on there, but there's always like these like curveballs. Like, um, yeah, some <laughs> random thing you would never expect. Yeah, there's not much method to the madness. <laughs> I used to I was raised in very Luth- Lutheran. That was like the whole deal, and I remember going through. <laughs> My friend would get a newspaper that reviewed every movie that came out and just said, like, what was wrong with it from a Christian perspective. Wow. <laughs> it was like, they were just digging, man. <laughs> uh, just like every, like, Pixar, whatever movie would get uh, the shit kicked out of it. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, yeah. Well, any, any, anything else? Any final thoughts on this thing? I feel like we've talked a lot about a book. Tim, I, I, I'm curious. Like, do you, uh, has this? I, I, are you are you a regular reader? Like, is it your frequent reader? You sometimes pick up a book. What would you say your reading habits are? Uh, I should definitely do it way more often now. Has uh, this uh, has this prompted you to action at all? Have you sort of read this book and be like, ah, oh, I might be a little bit more interested in some more stuff, or have you kind of been like, ah, oh, this was my assignment, and I think I need a break from it? Um, actually, even before this, I was already planning on trying to read some more books. Like, right. I had made like a like a wish list on Facebook. Not for anybody, just for myself to remind myself to like go read these. Yeah, uh, Tim wants free books. <laughs> what's uh, what's what's next on your list? Uh, this book called uh, "In Sunlight and in Shadow." 
it's like a just like a book about New York. <laughs> I just really want to read. I think after coming back from New York, I was like, I want to read some more books about New York and like, I don't know, just read about him. I also read some. I also just watched Midnight in Paris, so I want to read more Hemingway. Awesome. Oh, have you ever read Hemingway? Uh. Uh-uh. I just got into that too. I'm kind of like the. I, we talked about this a little bit, but one reason I started this podcast was because I. Tim Chang's an only child. Tim Chang's from Pomona, California. Sure. I'm an only child. I was raised Lutheran and stuff like that. So like, it wasn't until later on that I was like, it wasn't until my senior year of college where I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like I'm done learning. I got like I got to start. <laughs> I don't know, like experiencing new things or reading new things or whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Hemingway is one I just got into a couple years, like literally last year. I read that. You should you should? I, I, I'd be very interested to see what you'd think of. Oh yeah, <laughs> some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. Well, hopefully, hopefully we'll get you reading some more. It's one of those things we're kind of like it's a slippery slope. I feel like. Yeah. Reading. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> you don't want to go too far with that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think uh, uh, I think we touched on all the big things. I don't know. Hopefully that was interesting. Hopefully you learned something, Tim Chang. At yeah. least you got to figure out what Vonnegut's all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, if yeah. you'd like to see another, read another Vonnegut book, I think uh, Cat's Cradle is a good place to go. It's a really, uh, it's a really another fun, breezy one that's got some really interesting themes. So, uh, Tim, if you ever feel like more Vonnegut or anyone listening out there, and then that's a that's a good recommendation. I feel. You can borrow that one if you want. I think I have it. What's your favorite? I, forget, I like, actually Cat's Cradle is Cat's my Cradle? favorite. Yeah, Vonnegut book. Nice. Um, but I like this one too. Well, we did it, guys. We did it. Yeah. Uh, a book report. Tim Chang's first book report. What uh, do you get? A? Uh, yeah, you do, you do good. <laughs> hey, Tim, I think you get a 7 out of 10. Yeah, you get a 7. <laughs> what? Uh, you did great. You did great. Uh, right. Cool. So, Nick, where can we where can we catch you? Um, you know, I, uh, uh, I perform every week at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, my show, Last Day of School, is at 11 p.m., paired up with a group called Convoy. Um, and right now, uh, uh, if you want to watch um, NTSF SDSUV on Adult Swim, uh, Thursday evenings at 12.15 a.m., I was a writer and co-executive producer on this season. Um, so check that out. I think that show is a lot of fun. Awesome. Skeletor. Skeletor. Oh, yeah, and I do a bit <laughs> where I dress up as Skeletor. And <laughs> I feel like that is fun. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Tim, you're at Hey Tim Chang on Twitter? Yep. And I'm at Mr. Josh Simpson on Twitter. Uh, please, if you want to hear more episodes of the show, go to theeducationoftimchang.com. Like us on Facebook. And if you would love to rate or review this podcast on iTunes, that helps us a great deal. Uh, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Funniest book I've ever read? Garfield. <laughs> <laughs>